0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be talking about the OKC Thunder making their first trade of the deadline season, what the return is, what the implications are for drafting season. And then I'm also going to be talking about Sam Presti's Superstore, what players are going to be available for the Thunder, what their evaluations will be on the market, and who could get dealt at the deadline. And to top things off, I'm going to get you guys a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things off though, guys, trading time has hit the Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti is always willing and dealing. Like, he's going to be picking up the phone. Typically, it's going to be sliding into those, like, three-team trades, maybe taking a two-for-one. This was more of a blindside trade that hit earlier today, but it's surprisingly a good one. And on the surface, it's a pretty tame deal. Like, there's not that much meat and bone to it, but once you start delving into what the actual implications are, It's a pretty fun one. So the Oklahoma City Thunder ended up getting KZ Ogpala from the Miami Heat. And on the flip side, the Thunder ended up shipping out a 2026 second round pick. And with this 2026 second round pick, there is a little bit more to this because it is the least valuable out of three second round picks the OKC Thunder will have in 2026. But the big shot comes in the form of some other draft picks here and this is from a prior deal i believe this one roots from the russell westbrook deal actually but one of the picks that the okc thunder acquired happened to be a 2023 first round pick from the miami heat and it had lottery protections on it and this was a very odd pick because the way this was protected it was lottery protected, not just in 2023, but in 2024 and in 2025 as well. And let's say the Heat somehow burned down to the ground. Three straight years of being in the lottery in 2026, that's when you get the full deal. It's an unprotected first round pick, but that's a four-year lifespan for a draft pick. And for the Miami Heat, that's an issue. It's an issue due to the Steffian rule where you can't have Back to back picks traded. So you can't have your 2023 and 2024 first round pick in somebody else's hands. You have to have one or the other or both. So you, it, it kind of forces you uh, to have some assets to a little bit of a degree. And the way that that was structured, since it was protected for four straight seasons. They couldn't trade any of those first-round picks because technically they could be in Oklahoma City's hands. And to top it all off, you couldn't trade one this season or in 2027 because of this rule. Because let's say they traded the 2022 first-round pick. Well, in 2023, they're the worst team in the NBA. That's two consecutive seasons of not having it. That's a problem there, and they wanted to offload it. So what happened in this trade was that 2023 first was almost stripped down. It was altered a little bit, and now Oklahoma City will get that selection, but it starts in 2025. So it's a 2025 lottery-protected pick, and in 2026, it becomes unprotected if conveyed. So that's kind of the trickery that gets added into this one. They slided it in to the press release, but that's kind of the meat and bones of what you're getting here. With Akpala... It was almost the instrument used uh, to make this work. Same goes with that least favorable 2026 second round pick. But it's very damn interesting to see uh, both sides kind of formulate this one. And it's mutually beneficial. But I'm going to go into KZ. I'm going to go into uh, the pick in a little bit here. I want to talk about some of the other impacts of this trade. And it starts with KZ taking up one of those roster spots. He comes in, that's your 15th guy. And prior to the trade, OKC already had 15, technically speaking. Mamadi Diakite finishing up his third 10-day deal. His contract would have expired tomorrow, but they decided to waive him today to create that roster spot, to take on KZ. Now they're at 15, but the trade became legal due to that. Uh, So Mamadi, he is gone here. When you look at his stats... He did one hell of a job. He played 13 games under those three 10-day contracts. Averaged 4.3 points, 4.4 boards. We'll see what happens with him, but definitely showed that he can hang around. Great situation because JRE was out, Muscala was out, but didn't matter. Seemed like he fit in. Really good rim roll, uh, roller and a good screen setter up top. Seemed to get the offense going and pretty good rebounder. But what you're getting here. Right now is KZ Akpala. Short term, that's your gain. Is KZ going to hang around past the deadline or past this week even? Not necessarily sure. If they want to make another deal in the Thunder, that is, they might need to get one player down to make things work if they want to do a two-for-one, and I think KZ might be the odd man out. He hasn't played much this season, granted he's been injured since December, but he's only played 21 games, posted averages of 3.7 points, two boards, and 0.7 assists, playing a little bit under 12 minutes per game. So he's been kind of just a garbage time guy under Eric Spolster this season, and it's sort of been that way all three years. He's been around former number 32 pick in the 2019 draft, and he's this lengthy, like, semi-athletic guy but the shot has not been there for him if you're kind of checking the scouting report very talented uh, in terms of defensive play when you look at the offensive play he's more of a slasher off ball cutter when he goes into transition he can get you with the hard gathers and even some driving uh, spins but yeah no pull-ups there his catch and shoot is not bad like the release timing is a bit on the slower side but it's no gabrielle deck type of shot so he'll get it done uh, but he's just not that accurate of a shooter. But he also hasn't had a lot of time to play for Miami. So I guess there's a bit of some potential there. Uh, but this was definitely for the selection. And the one interesting thing is you end up making this move before anything else. When we, when you're talking about what deal Sam Presti is making, I don't think Casey Paula or even the Miami Heat in general would have been on the board. You know, you're thinking Tobias Harris, Tim Hardaway Jr., Serge Ibaka maybe. This is a team looking to utilize the $24 million they have in available cap space. And it's whittled down by about $2 million. I think KZ's contract is 1.78 mil currently. But that's still a lot to work with. I think they'll be able to make a trade if there's a bad contract going somewhere. OKC could take it. Um, But yeah, this was kind of a curveball, but it's in a good way because the pick swappage is beneficial for the Thunder if they don't have another trade partner. KZ, you get one year of run because he isn't expiring and he might turn into a decent rotational player for you. So it's really a no risk play, sort of just a cordial agreement between both sides because Miami, they needed access to more trades and those draft picks for trades and in the Thunder's camp. They're always looking to get potentially better assets draft-wise. And the way it works out now, it's an improvement. So they get that done. I think this is a A-plus sort of for both sides when you break it down. And that's a good thing. I think that Miami and OKC are both really smartly run in their own respective areas i would say miami's more of a a team that can find the diamonds in the rough for the g league system or you know those guys that go undrafted whereas the okc thunder they can find them in the g league they don't necessarily sign them though they're more trade oriented where presti's able to keep mounting all these picks together and actually upgrade some in the process when there's literally no penalty Against them so great deal on both sides um, but I want to talk a little bit more about Miami situation what this first round pick may look like for the Thunder and I'll talk a little bit more about KZ Akpala but first I want to let you guys know about the special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The moment we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country, and new customers can get a free shot at $1 million as the top prize with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code CBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources void where prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line, that's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877 8 hope or text hope that's four six seven three six nine moving right along though guys to KZ and this first round draft pick like I mentioned earlier when you're looking at KZ Akpala you're looking at a guy that can kind of go either way here you know this is sort of a my Oni situation from last month where you picked up Oni but you just subsequently traded him. And it's not due to Oni not being a good player. I think if I had to compare the two, I'd probably pick Akpala over Oni. But with Oni, you didn't have room for him. He's kind of a guard anyways. And you need that extra roster spot. Right now, it's sort of deja vu again. You now have 15 roster spots with Akpala on board. But you have to look at OKC and kind of where they stand as a team right now. This is a team that has 38 draft selections right now. This is a team that is going to be rebuilding. They've been clearly rebuilding the last two seasons. And if assets come up, they're going to take it. That's exactly why KZ's over here. I don't think you make this trade um, as just KZ for a second round pick without the additional first round pick implications added because it really just does change the dynamics of everything for the heat like i said Steffian rule gives you access to way more picks they couldn't even trade any picks in the first round now i believe they'll have access to at least two of those selections maybe just one right now but they've been able to expand what they can trade around again and for the Thunder. You have a more surefire bet that draft pick is not going to be as good, but you get Akpala too. So I think Akpala could be waived if there is that two for one. He probably would be the first to go. I can't imagine anybody else being on that conversation. The only guy that hasn't played has been Vit Kredci, but he's been hurt all season. He actually just made his debut with the okc blue today against the sioux fall sky force only played 10 minutes limit restriction plus he already had five fouls but he's back you're obviously not going to waive him i think kz would just happen to be number one he's not integrated in the organization yet and he could be a little bit redundant he has had some good outbursts and you got to keep in mind that the heat haven't played him a lot he hasn't been able to play a lot this year anyways due to injury Uh, but he still had some good performances. He had 16 points before injury. I think it was on like seven of nine shooting. A lot of those came from three. He's not really a three-point shooter, though. He's just a guy that's going to be able to handle the basketball from point A to point B, put on a moving spin, and get you a layup inside. He's a gritty finisher around the basket. It's what you're going to find offensively and defensively lengthy guy he can create problems he can play three or four with you six foot eight seven foot one wingspan doesn't have the numbers really at the nba level but he did play 20 g league games uh, two seasons ago uh, with miami's g league affiliates Averaged 1.4 steals and 1.1 blocks per game so you got to look at that also have to look at the situation where he is just that one year 1.7 million dollar expiring really low stock value right now this was almost a gimme i think when the heat circled their least valuable player it happened to be kz so that's why he was the one uh, getting shipped out in the deal but you know he could end up being really good for you if you give him the opportunities and you could get another like two three year deal out of this on a budget contract now me personally if i was sam presti i would have wanted omer at seven and I don't think Ole Marriott 7 someone you just throw into trades now because he's a double-double machine. Only reason he's not performing is because Bam Adebayo is in front of him. Dwayne Deadman is there. So he doesn't have the light of day to play. But he's a good player at 22 years old. He can shoot it a little bit post-player. Watched too many OKC Blue games last season. I'm a bit biased, but he's great. He was in the mix for a P.J. Washington trade uh, before things folded, so his value is a little bit higher, but I love him as a prospect. Anyways, KZ's there, and now with this first-round pick that you add on, since you push it back to 2025, you gotta look at what the Miami Heat roster will look like, and it's gonna have a different dynamic to it because Jimmy Butler— is going to be an old man he's 32 years old now in 2025 he's 35 years old and he's also making a lot of money he's going to be taking so much cap he could be i don't think a negative asset i don't think jimmy butler is going to age like that but it's going to limit you at least a little bit in terms of roster flexibility kyle lowry is a guy too where in three years two years time is he still going to be hanging around not necessarily sure same goes with a vet like pj tucker so it might be a bit of a different team and if they get an injury or two on that roster it could be bad and that's going to favor the thunder to where lottery protected and then it's unprotected so you could get lucky on a dice roll and get yourself a pretty sweet draft selection so they improve their pick get kz if i had to guess i'd say if okc makes another trade tomorrow He'll be waived as part of the deal or just repackaged uh, to make it a little bit bigger. Uh, But yeah, if KZ stays, it would not be all that bad for the franchise. Anyways, though, guys, I want to talk about my new segment. I did this last season on my blog site, but it's called Sam Presti's Superstore. And what I do with this segment is I kind of divvy up OKC's prospects, Kind of give them an item, maybe, and the value you could hold with them. For this season, it's not as clear where it was last year, where Myers Leonard was on the team going into the deadline. Um, you had some other players like Darius Miller and Justin Jackson. You don't have that anymore. This is a team that has a lot of young guys, and OKC wants them. So it's hard to kind of sift through and say who might be more valuable uh, than the others. But I'm going to give it my best crack at it today. So here we go. When you break down Sam Presti's Superstore, you know one thing. It's always open. Presti's making a lot of trades. You saw the KZ one today. You had the Oni deal last month. And over the offseason and the last trade deadline, he was looking to flip anything. If he thinks that there's potential to get an upgrade, he's going to take it. And for the current market, there's people that want to upgrade still. Most of the big shots did not come today. The biggest trade involved Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Joe Ingles on a season-ending ACL injury. You know what we had the previous two, three days? Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, Damanis Sabonis, Tyrese Halliburton. Lots of stars, but guess who's still out there? James Harden's still out there. Tobias Harris is still out there. Simmons is available Cards are still yet to fall. And that means Presti and his haul are looking better and better. And for contenders who want to work on a budget, might not be looking for the guys like Harden or Simmons. He might be the guy to go to. So here is my little selection process. Gonna start first with the bin. When you're talking about what's in the bin, it's like your chips, it's like your chocolate bars, You know, it's the impulse buys almost where they're going to give you that brief just shock of happiness. Like if I eat a chocolate bar, oh, I'm going to be happy for the next five, 10 minutes. It's just one of those things. It's a sweet. You got to love it. And the price is only a buck. It's worth that price. The man that I'm putting here, and it is criminal to put here, I just got to throw somebody here. It's Isaiah Roby. So he's like the guard deli of chocolates, he's like the number one even like dark chocolate even, because I, I prefer dark chocolate myself. But this is like the premium chocolate bar. You're not going to find anything better. Definitely not going to find anything better uh, going into the checkout line. And with him, you got to kind of assess what the current rotation looks like. Jeremiah Robinson Earl looks to have taken his starting gig. Now he is hurt right now, but looks like he's taking it. And Mike Muscala, and Derek Favors are also ahead of him. So he hasn't been able to play a lot this year. Only has appeared in 18 games. But the averages are good. He's averaged 6.7 points and 3.3 boards in 13.7 minutes. So it's efficient, but he's not been out there so much. And to look at him even brighter, he's been a beast in the G League. He had three games in the Winter Showcase a play-in stages averaged a double-double with 14.3 points, 11.7 boards. And then in the regular season, where he's been utilized more as like a three or four, he's averaged 12.2 points and five boards while shooting 50% from deep. So he's been everything that you've wanted, but he just has not had the platform. So truthfully, I don't think he gets dealt. I think this is someone where you look at it and say, if Presti's looking to do somebody solid and Uh, someone would like a throw in they'd like a guy to play the three four or even five Roby could be the player so if you make a package deal multi-team you got to get a player somewhere out there Isaiah Roby could be the man to go and a one for one don't think you trade him I think realistically Roby's the least likely to get moved on from here got to look at the rotation though and just kind of think is he going to be sticking around is he locked up to the center spot Right now, I don't think so, and because OKC has been picking up these 3s and 4s, it makes it very difficult for Isaiah Roby, but truthfully, if I had minutes for him, I'd be giving it to him, because he has earned it in the G League, and while he's been playing at the NBA level, he's still been playing uh, to the degree you'd want him to be at. But moving on, he was the only guy I'm throwing in the bin you go to the clearance rack. And I have two different players right here. I think you can make the argument for three. But the two that I have jotted down are Derek Favors and Teo Maladone. Start now with Derek Favors. He's 30 years old. He's not the same guy he was in Utah where you got him, Al Jefferson, just big biting around the paint, dropping double-doubles like it's nothing. He's a different guy. The play style... Not very different. I think it's just the age of the game where you're starting to see a lot more stretch fours, stretch fives. He's not really one, has a mid-range, but he's still a solid contributor around the basket in addition to his rebounding ability. He's averaged 5.1 points and 4.7 rebounds in 34 games with a thunder, and the mid-range game has been spectacular for him. I didn't imagine that he was shooting this well until I typed it up on NBA.com. But between 10 and 14 feet, he's shooting at a 60% clip. So on those short rolls, or where he picks and he pops around that free throw line, he is really, really efficient. He's been a great guy to have with SGA, Giddy, and really all these different playmakers. The thing is, though, he's 30 years old. He probably wants to be on a contender. Break down the situation. Like, he joined the Thunder right after the 2021 nba draft shocked him a little bit kind of had the mindset of like hey i'll mentor them for a little bit he hasn't expressed he wants to be traded but i'd imagine that would happen if there's one available one issue the contract is a bit hefty this is why the jazz offloaded a first to trade Derek favors he's getting paid 9.7 million dollars this season but it's a one-and-one and and it's a player option for favors and he'd be a fool not to take it it would pay him 10.1 million dollars so essentially you are looking at a two-year 19.8 million dollar contract for a post player who's 30 years old going on 31 he's a good guy but at the price range might be some better options for a championship contender though You'd want to have this guy. If he's at $2, $3 million, you'd pick him up in a heartbeat. The way that this would work is I think Favors would have to get sent to a contender, but they'd have to send out a lot of money, and they'd actually need to bring on some money to make it work out. Favors then becomes a top option because if you're matching salaries, it doesn't matter what Favors actually says. It just matters he meets the threshold needed, and he would do so in this circumstance and he's a guy that would be a really solid vet in a playoff run i don't think anybody would really doubt that he's been in a couple of situations before now early day jazz not so much pelicans and eh. a couple years with utah though before he was with okc he did get a little bit of wear and tear and if you just need rebounding and you need a scrappy defender he's gonna check the boxes for you in terms of trade value i don't really know if you'd call him a positive asset i think it's a circumstantial thing for a contender like I said needing money he is a positive asset but you're not going to trade this guy to the Orlando Magic for a second round pick right like it's all circumstantial and even then if a team like a contender would want him it's hard to make the money work and it's hard to make it worth it for them so i would think that he could get in on a multi team trade probably not a one for one target uh, in terms of where he is currently at. Tao Maladone, much different scenario, though. He was the minute leader last year. He looked really good as a rookie as well. Averaged a bit above 10 points per game. Was averaging 27 minutes per game. But now he's on the rotational abyss. You have SGA in front of him. Josh Giddy's there. Trey Mann is there. And Ty Jerome is also above him. So he hasn't been able to get the playing time. And... Because of it, he's only played 111 minutes since we flipped into the new calendar year. He's a buy low target. I think if I'm a GM of like the Wizards or some of these other teams that need a young point guard, I would call Sam Presti on Teo right now and try to steal him. I'm very high on Teo Maladone. I know his stats have not looked good this season at the NBA level, but he's been a G league star. In that regular season, which started in January, he's averaged 22 points, damn near five rebounds a game, 5.5 assists per game, and he's been a smooth operator. He's even been shooting well off the ball, off that catch and shoot, and I think it translates. Six-foot-five, combo guard. I think now you can safely say he's more of that one, though. Needs that basketball in his hand a little bit more to make things work out, Uh, but while he's slashing inside, really good with the no looks cross court passes are right up his alley the floater is part of his arsenal now he doesn't have the softest touch but if he gets that down he does become a scary guy on those rolls and even dishing it out on the pick and roll is nice or in the pick and pop so i like him as a passer as a ball handler even off the catch he was leading the thunder in january last season now it did slip down to like the mid 30s but he was a decent enough guy to plug next to SGA last year. So you can kind of resuscitate his value, get him to a level where he's a decent backup point guard and he's only 20 years old. So I would take that shot. Um, the deal is, you know, what do you give for Teo Maladone? And the way that I view it, I don't think Presti gets rid of Teo for like a second round pick. I think you would need to trade a player, maybe a young front court piece to get him. Or you could just do another weird like KZ Paula trade where there's some heavily changed first round pick added. Now he's not worth the first round pick, but you'd get something there. It, it would have to be a very intriguing selection the way I view it to get rid of Teo Maladone because I think Ty Jerome could also be added into this batch. And I didn't initially list him as one of the clearance aisle guys, but I definitely think that he would. Check the boxes out. He's similar to Teo, where you have three guards above SGA, Josh Giddy, and Trey Mann. Ty Jerome is not 20. He's 24 years old. He's gonna turn 25 in the offseason. So he's a bit up there. Um, but he's also a bit better than Teo Maladone is right now. So I think you pick and choose if you'd rather have Jerome or Teo moving beyond uh, into the future here. But he's also six foot five, and he is the perfect combo guard you play him at the one play him at the two there's really no drop off one of the best shooters on okc right now catch and shoot specific as well this guy can also pull from 30 feet currently though he's averaging 7.1 points 2.1 assists while only dropping 0.8 turnovers in 16.2 minutes per game three ball has been under 30 percent this season I don't believe that one bit. He's definitely not a 30% three-point shooter. Um, Now, statistically, yes. But when he's feeling it, this dude's shooting 50% from deep, and he's a real problem. You can tack him on to about any team, and I think the production is going to stay about at this level. way he plays, you don't have to force feed him as a point guard um, or even as a shooting guard, really. You don't need to force feed the man. He's not a shot creator, more of like a, Just get into the motion, get that shot ready, and he'll launch it if he's open. And then as a point guard, you know, he's not crazy with ball handling. He'll just kind of wait at the top of the key, maybe get a screen up top, and he'll just let play gradually pan out. And that's why his assist to turnover ratio is so good. He's a very smart passer. And I think for any roster, he's still going to be a smart passer for you, and he's still going to be lethal off the catch. So with him... I think this is one where you could see just a second-round pick being thrown his way. Uh, regardless, with Teo, I think it's more of a um, a toss-up because he is only 20 years old and he is a sophomore. With Jerome, I think he has more of that established value. And if OKC wants to play Teo more, you probably would trade Jerome out, and I'm sure he'd fetch some sort of second-round pick. But this leads on to the new releases. And these are the type of players where customers are lining up to get you if you put a pre-order release out for something and it's dropping on one day you're gonna have a crazy line down a block just to get them because the resale value is gonna be high and the market value simply doesn't translate that much and two guys that got here no surprise the vets kenrich williams and mike muscala and kenrich williams is the most valuable asset that okc would have to offer this season and he was the most valuable asset last season actually as well before the trade deadline last year he was shooting 41.7 percent from three averaged 1.7 deflections per game and his february was the best month that he's had as a pro dude was dropping 18 points against the bulls i think double digits galore and he was a little bit above the, the bench warmer role that he had prior. So he got a step up due to injury. He succeeded. And his averages showed that he, he was the real deal on both sides. Now, we don't know what the interest was from other teams. I would assume it wouldn't be that high just because with the Pelicans, he didn't have the averages. He didn't look like the player he, he is today, uh, really. But now going into year two, He's kind of solidified that he's legitimate. He's averaging 7.2 points, 4.2 boards, and 2.1 assists. Still shooting 36.7% from distance. Dude is a two-way threat off the bench. And he's on a two-year, $4 million contract right now. Making two mil a pop for the next two seasons. Contenders should be just slobbering trying to get this guy. This guy is going to be very helpful on a playoff push. And he does it for a budget. So the way that you make it work is it's not going to be that hard to make it work, actually. Given the contract, contenders can just send off a pick, another pick, you know, or they can just send in like a tiny player to attach with things and you can get it to work. This is not one where you have to do kind of salary gymnastics to make it work on both sides. It's such a cheap deal that contenders will be able to take it without... Having to have issues. And that's why I think his value value like rises even higher than some other players. Cause this isn't a dude making $10, $12 million as a 3 and D guy. This is someone who's making two mil for not just this season, but a next. So you can have two playoff pushes with him under your belt. And he's on a rookie salary right now. So you're gonna be settled. Only thing with Kenrich, he's shown that he's pretty loyal to the Thunder whenever he talked to the Oklahoma and he said he wanted to stick around um, and you also got to see like is the value going to be good enough I would believe that there was some sort of offer for Kenrich last season I don't know if it'd be one second two seconds any of this or any of that but the price was certainly not right that's why Presty didn't send him off they were rebuilding last year all the cards were laid out so Everyone knew it, but he didn't pull the trigger. And I think it's going to be like this this time around as well, where it's obvious they're a rebuilding team. Kenneth Williams is going to help any roster he gets tagged along, but you don't need to trade him. There's not a lot of pressure on you. Very good contract for him. Yeah, if you want to milk out assets, you can, but is he worth trading for two second round picks for the contender side, of course, but for the Thunder you already have 19 of those bad boys you could but in my way of thinking I don't think it's worth doing it to be honest with you I think the only way you do it is if you you get a protected first round pick or if you end up getting a young prospect that you believe you can carve out uh, into the long-term future so it's going to be a hard sell I think if you're trying to match salaries or you're in a multi-team trade, Kenrich Williams could become a hot commodity and then you can kind of amplify what his true value would be. And that's the way you'd go. One for one, I don't know if the offers would be as good unless you add some sort of salary dump attached onto things. But that's what you have with Kenny Hustle, 27-year-old, gonna improve really any team he gets joined on as just trying to match the price and making it worthwhile for Sam Presti and company and the same goes for Mike Muscala I think if you're going to compare Muscala to like a physical thing it's like a retro console it's like the Atari or something but it gets a second wind out of nowhere where you know this thing was popular 30 years ago but then it just died out and nobody cared about it comes out with a retro revamped console and now the resale value is through the roof you know like he's been around the NBA for a while But he kind of had a plateaued stock until OKC sort of rejuvenated it over the last two seasons. And right now, he's averaging 8 points, 3 rebounds, and he's doing it in under 14 minutes per game. Pretty damn unheard of. And he's also shooting 42.9% from distance. Catch and shoot master. Dude's doing it at the 5 you know how many teams need shooting from front court players, especially contending teams? There's a lot of them. So that means there will be suitors for Mike Muscala. And given he's on a rebuilding franchise, I'd expect GMs to almost highlight him a little bit more because that means he could be potentially available. One caveat, you probably need to pay a legit price for Mike Muscala. He could have left last season. I thought he would leave last season. But then he goes into his exit interview and he just talks about how much he loves OKC as a franchise, talks about the people, and talks about how he wants to remain. Ends up signing a two-year, $7 million contract and he's still locked up right now. $3.5 million is a steal for Mike Muscala currently. 30 years old, he'll be 31 next year. But there's not going to be a drop-off. The way he plays, it's reliant on his shot. And his shot is going to stick around with them. So he's valuable. uh, But, you know, he's with a franchise in the Thunder where you're not looking to make that playoff push. For contenders, they need the pieces. And pretty high up on the list is going to be those bigs that can space the floor out for your stars. So he will have that market, I would assume. It just comes down to... Is it going to work for OKC? But also, is it going to work for Mike Muscala? I would think at this point, Muscala has enough credibility within the organization that if a deal comes up, they'd probably let Mike Muscala know first. If there's a tanking team wanting him, probably present like, hey, this is the deal that we've accepted or we're planning on accepting. Are you okay with this? And if he says no, probably aren't going to take the deal. It's almost like a built in no trade clause for a 30-year-old averaging eight points off the bench. It's a weird one, but I think he's almost earned it at this rate. If it's a contender, I would think Muscala would take that chance, and that's the market he'll probably get uh, going into tomorrow's scramble. The way that it works in terms of value, I don't think he's worth a first-round pick. Kenrich Williams, I say he'd be worth one. However, it'd have to be a heavily protected first-round pick for the other side to Probably make it work work for them, Uh, but you know, a pair of seconds from Muscala would be fair. Maybe a young guy again. It's just up to management and Muscala on if he wants to remain with the franchise or if he'd rather go for a contender. Because I think either way you swing it, both sides are going to come out of this very very happy. But that's my list of six guys that I have right now. If you have any other players you'd want me to tack onto the list make sure to let me know. Tomorrow, big, big day. Got the trade deadline ending at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Look out for a trade deadline episode tomorrow and potentially a few articles depending on the deals that are being made league-wide. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.